This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding and making connections. with Indigo Radio, a project of the Spark Teacher Education Institute. We are a group of educators around the world seeking to deepen understanding and make connections. You can find out more information about Spark and Indigo Radio on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. We have over five years of shows with content from our schools, our communities, and voices from around the world. Today's show is a back-to-school special, a little bit late, but we spoke with Ritu, who teaches 8th grade science at Keene State Middle School in New Hampshire, Aurora, who is a support staff working with multiple language learners at a high school in Rhode Island, Vicki, who is a nature-based early childhood educator, and Olivia, who teaches middle school English language arts in New Hampshire. We discussed what is happening for students and teachers within and outside of schools, what their work beyond the classroom might look like this year, and what gives them strength to meet the challenges facing teachers, and much more. So I hope that you enjoy the conversation. But before we jump into this show, as I was putting things together, this is October 18th, my heart and mind is in Palestine, especially those in Gaza, who have suffered tremendously under a 16-year blockade as well as 11 days going into the 12th day of bombing by Israeli forces. Just yesterday, a hospital was bombed, killing over 500. Palestinians on the ground have declared a child-first policy due to the lack of food and clean water that is available. Today in Washington, Jewish Voice for Peace and If Not Now have called for another convergence in which hundreds will gather to demand an end to genocide and an immediate ceasefire. If you are learning and listening from the U.S., please question what you hear on mainstream media and search for alternative sources and narratives to learn from Palestinians, not only the history, but also the horrific conditions and violence that is being perpetrated under Israeli occupation. Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more backward thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There is so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh, oh yeah. Wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way. Maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say. That was John Legend and The Roots, Wake Up Everybody. We will now air the interview 
that was done on September 26th with four teachers in the Vermont, New Hampshire, Rhode Island area. Thank you. So thank you all for joining us on Indigo Radio today. We're going to start out by having you describe the conditions that kids and teachers are facing inside and outside of school this year. Aurora, let's have you begin. Um, let's see. So we, where I work, I work in an urban high school and um, we have had uh three administrators that have left and now we have an interim principal and it's it's very tense there i have to say teachers are very stressed out because there's a shortage there's a, a lot of teachers i think because of the stress level are you know are are calling in sick so there's not enough people to um substitute there's a shortage of substitutes so a lot of teachers are either their prep or their duty, they have to go into a classroom and be with the classroom because there's no one else. So they're under pressure. And then students are really struggling too. I mean, a lot of them have food insecurity at home and they live in poverty. And uh it's very difficult for them to focus in at school and the material, some of the material isn't relatable to their life. So it's tough. It's, it's been really tough. I think, you know, the kids are great though. I got to say, I love the kids. You know, they're really uh, great people. I really enjoy their company and learning from them. And um, yeah. Thanks, Aurora. You're welcome. We'll get more into things happening at your school as the interview goes on. Okay. Yeah. Vicki, how about you? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, similarly, teachers, well, all of us, I will say, I'm I'm technically an administrator, but I'm in the classroom every day. Um of course, because I, I, I love to be and I love the children, but um, I have to be just because we're short staffed. And so it does mean for me and for like the administrative team, we we really don't get our work done that is re also required of the job. Um, but teachers are really stressed. There's a lot of anxiety. Um, I, you know, and that's, I, I think both parents and teachers. So a lot of it, I think, has to do with not having basic needs met. A lot of people struggle with affording healthcare, um, affording appointments. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, for example, toying with whether or not I should go to my dentist this Friday because if I do, then you know, I can't pay for other things like food. Um, and this summer in particular was just incredibly hard in that. Um, there we're an outdoor school. So we are at this point, we're really used to, especially since COVID um, and really pushing ourselves to be outside all day. We're used to that. And there were so many days where we had to be inside and couldn't open the windows because of the air quality. And so the, the fires around the world um, affecting us and our daily lives here. And then um, our town in Montpelier was flooded completely in July. 
and is still recovering. Um, most of the businesses are still closed and still rebuilding. The, the entire downtown was flooded. So a lot of our families were displaced during that time and are still sort of piecing their home lives together. And some of our teachers also, their homes were flooded. Um, and from that, you know, these just big climate events, I think that has impacted the anxiety and stress of the adults in the, in the children's lives. We're, I work with young children um, and we're seeing a lot of them play out the floods they're building dams, they're becoming workers, you know, they're rebuilding houses, things like that. Um, so, you know, in terms of the children, I think just like Aurora was saying, I mean, I am filled to the brim with joy when I'm with them. I mean, it's really phenomenal just how they keep coming back every day um, and just keep trying again, you know, cause we are seeing a lot of behaviors, physical behaviors especially when we know about things going on in, in the family or when we know that families are struggling with particular things. Um, but the children, you know, despite really struggling through and working through um, just social relationships with each other and learning about that at such an early age in their lives, um, they're just, they keep coming back the next day and starting over. And I think that's really inspiring for all of us. Um so there's, you know, there's, there's that joy that we have and the, the curiosity from them. And then the, um, the, the continued openness they have, um, you know, we, we try to talk to them about the real things happening, like climate and, and the floods, because they're still, like I said, just impacting our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and then there's just the real fact that um, this is a structurally unsupported uh field um, and people don't have what they need you know we 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 don't have health insurance we we don't have benefits um everybody makes a non-livable wage here i would say and so that is a constant struggle and it's yeah people are stressed and i'm sure it's difficult to you as the director in quotations i mean you are the director but also trying to I imagine rally um uh a staff to keep on showing up every day and bring the like strength and positivity we need for kids when they're when that's happening when when they're not being yeah properly when the staff themselves are not being properly funded or supported it's probably yeah. the same in your school too Aurora and yours Olivia as well uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely in my school. Yeah. Probably yeah. all over the country. Olivia, what about you? What's happening for kids and teachers at your school? Um, So I have sixth graders and they're brand new to middle school. And a lot of them are excited and they love it and they're thriving. Um, but definitely... Um, huge problem with homelessness and poverty in the community and just um yeah they're not getting their needs met at home and then they're coming to school and there's just a lot they need so much and there is not enough staff at at our school um there's not enough teachers we have vacancies still for math and science teachers and 
if we don't hire teachers, then those students are going to have to take online classes, which we know is not going to work well for a lot of those students. Um, and it's very difficult to get the kids signed up for those class, just like technical difficulties and stuff like that. Um, so that's what's going on. Um, and yeah, it's tough. And I think the kids, the seventh and eighth graders feel like they, they think like, well, why would a teacher want to work here? You know, like they they think like, um, they think that no one wants to come work there. And I think that affects them personally. It makes them feel, you know, not great about their community. Um, and yeah, we don't have enough special education services for kids and um, English language learners. We don't have enough support for them. So it's sort of like, um, I need to clone myself, you know, to get, to help everyone that needs help. And, and that's been really, really challenging. Oof. And yeah, I think that, like Aurora said, these trends are happening all over the country. Um, and so I think part of our task as teachers is not individually but as a a group in society to do some community organizing and work to not just change the conditions but also like not just change the conditions in our schools but also you you all have clearly demonstrated how the conditions of society are replicated in the schools and then they're so as we work to make our schools better, we hope that there's ripple effects to make the world a better place as well. And so with that note, I'm wondering, what does the work look like in your schools? And not just like the um, your daily tasks, but the work beyond your daily tasks. Have you thought about what 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 some of that work looks like for the year? Um, and also, what are some of the things that get in the way of being able to do that work? And feel free, anyone, to get us started, and we'll we'll share and discuss with one another. Uh, in the in the school that I uh, that I'm in, there's it's highly policed, so there's a police office, and there's probably I think four police officers now in the school on a regular basis. And um, I noticed recently that they had in the police office, they have a big screen and they're monitoring the kids in the hallways. So for me, I feel like I need to let the kids be aware of what's going on. So I have discussions about that and how that shouldn't exist in schools, you know, and they know it. They know that. And, and I, I have to constantly tell them that they're not criminals, you know, that somehow it seems to me like they're being treated like they're criminals and they're not. They're really good people. So for me, that's part of the work is letting them know that um, they're, they're good people and creating community. I, as you're saying that, because you have high schoolers or, uh, and we, I have, you know, preschoolers and I, 
um, our kids play out, you know, bad guys all the time, as as we've talked about in Spark um, many, many times, but just to see that trajectory in a way or see how kids at such a young age will identify and and, and call one of their friends or, or, or peers a bad guy because they did such and such. Like a lot of times it's taking a toy or taking something or hitting, of course, um, physical behaviors, but it's just interesting just to see how early it starts. And then from there in high school, then they have these cops who are, you know, physically in their building watching over everybody. And then you feel like, yeah, you're, 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 you're a bad guy. You're a criminal. Um, like we're, we're always being watched. We're always doing something wrong. It's, it makes me think about the work here for, you know, in early childhood too. And just kind of, of course, all ages, but, um, I think the the work is kind of that day to day um with the kids like um just picking up on their curiosities and insights like for example the bad guys thing and so i would ask them a lot of questions about that and what that means and because i don't know that everybody's stopping and and asking them questions i i think certainly when i was a kid playing bad guys um or you know whatever it was we didn't have adults around like to ask us questions or to interrupt our play. And so um, a lot of times the, or sorry, the other day, these kids had a gem. They, they each had their own gem and they were like um, different colors. And they started, one kid started by saying mine, ha- mine is normal and it's purple. So, okay. And then the next one said, mine is normal and brown. And the other third one said, mine's all normal, which means it's all white or like clear gem. And I was like, what does normal mean? And they're like, I have no idea. And then they walked away. But I just caught that one word they use. So, so it just came off of their tongue so easily. Like this white rock is normal and brown or normal and purple. But I think for me, like when I'm with the children, that's the work. It's like the really um, catching those moments where we're already you know, using particular words, defining things in particular ways and putting things in boxes and trying to open up, like trying to open up that box a little bit. Yeah. Vicki, I went to, I um, went to observe a forest classroom the other day and the kids at the art station were, um, they were playing, they were drawing McDonald's, the McDonald's theme or not theme, but what is it called? Like the logo. And they, I asked them like, what are you doing? Why are you drawing the McDonald's logo? And they said, oh, because we're trying to make money. So these are like six, seven, eight-year-olds. Oh, we're trying to make money. And then I realized that other kids were drawing the money and other kids were drawing the credit cards. And I was like, just an observer in the classroom, in this forest classroom. So I didn't like, I would have like, maybe followed up in a different way if I was the teacher. But I just said to them, I don't think we need money in the forest. That's the beauty of the forest. And they were like, whatever, and kept doing what they were doing. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. Um, V2 just joined us. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. My sincere apologies. I don't know. I tried from um, school and there was something going with zoom. I could not connect. So I just, just landed home and I was like, I want to try from home. No problem at all. Thank you. Yeah. 
um, we're just discussing what the work looks like in our schools and thinking about the work is something um, beyond like our day-to-day tasks as, as people in schools, but also like a bigger vision for the world we want to see and how do we address that in our schools. So thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I want to just chime in to um, just the flow of the process that you will have been talking. I'm sorry, again, my sincere apologies for being late. Um, technical glitches are a thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so anyhow, I think the world, um, you know, everything that we do in our classrooms, teaching content area would be one aspect of it, right, as of our part of our job. But I think the other important aspect is how do we bring the world into our classroom? Because that is full, well, and alive. How do we make our teaching more connected to the real life application of understanding and things? Because the way you and I learned is very different the way our young people want to learn today in order to be able to engage them and be able to provide a platform where we are having a shared understanding of things that we want them to learn and thrive in, um, or to actually have an appreciation of different perspectives, um, it's very important that slowly and gradually and subtly, there is a way that we can actually bring the world into the classroom, um, be it whatever content area, because yes, some, some areas are more challenging than the others, uh, but the beauty of that is once we start finding those connections um, as, as, as big people, as teachers, uh, students gradually find that connection as well. And then application of the concept learned in the classroom becomes much more tangible, much more achievable um, than just on papers. And it could be, you know, through many different things. Um, I just want to quickly share, like, you know, one, one thing that we just recently did. So I'm 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 the chair we of uh, Keen International Festival Committee here in Keen. So the whole idea is to bring the whole diverse, um, you know, uh, cultures together to celebrate and recognize and validate and celebrate each other. Um, and when that starts, because we start, this is a year-round planning for us, and we did that. But I will tell you that the students who benefit. Who are going to our school district who came and who benefited by being able to see the richness of diversity in our in our region and be able to experience different cultures through the performances different food different arts and crafts and games and many other myriad of things that we offered that day it kind of helped what i've been trying to do in my classroom so so the the conversations is now enriched with that understanding so um that is just one aspect, and I'm not saying everybody has to put together a festival, but I think there are initiatives that's that's in places, in different places, and I think it's just a matter of finding those right people and right resources where we can where we can connect ourselves and connect tune our students in. So that's that's from me. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I was telling someone the story of my own education a little while back. And that like, I really don't remember anything from university at all, except for one class that was, um, it was a history of African-Americans. And I was in the class when Hurricane Katrina hit and the teacher stopped everything and was like, I'm throwing out the syllabus. We're going to talk about what's happening right now in the world. 
and we analyzed the media and how Black people were represented and connected it to history. And that's the only class that I remember because it was made relevant and it brought in the world into the classroom. Olivia, tell us about your work right now in school and what you're working on. Just remind me when you said Hurricane Maria, um, we're writing personal narratives right now with my sixth graders. So we are, um, I'm reading them a book um, that was written by a young person who um, lived through Hurricane Maria, which is called, I think it's called like Eyewitness Hurricane. And so um, it's about a young man who, you know, he lives through the hurricane, but then he um, raises money to get um, like hand crank solar power, like washing machines to people to like clean their clothes because so many people were without power for so long. Um, and like, I'm just reading the book to them and they're like pretty into it and it's so short and it's like a straightforward narrative and definitely was thinking about the floods this summer because there was definitely a lot of flooding in in that area too and just um they I think students love a real story like that's true um and I think that that is just such an easy way to bring in something and it's like a young person you know trying to solve a problem in their community. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do that, but um, it's nothing I plan really planned. I just kind of saw the book and I was like, oh yeah, this book is so short. I'm just going to start reading it to them. And that's, we've had some really great conversations about um, uh, what to do when there's a crisis pretty much. And Olivia, you mentioned before we started the show that you're a union rep this year. And so I was wondering how yes. like people like how that work, um, like what that what that work looks like right now for you and how that like um, I don't know if other people have are unionized at their schools or are part of the unions, but how you see that work kind of playing into your the larger work of being a teacher. Yeah, it's definitely a big job right now. It's, there's a lot going on. We don't have a lot of staff. So a lot of teachers are are coming to me with concerns, like having to do extra, a lot of extra work. And um, I think it's, it's only my second year doing it. So it's sort of um, made me, it's made me ready to listen to people. And I think it's made me more, more ready to like listen to the students when they come to me with with issues too because there's so many issues all day long um that are constantly popping up so to sort of um be able to take it all in and sort of not necessarily solve the problems but just be like I hear you and I'm going to see what I can find out um does that make sense yeah, it does. Yeah, it it's just you know uh, we we are not unionized, and you know I I I don't know that I would be part of the union if if we were just being an administrator. Um, but 
Um, there's not a lot that I can do. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of forces that we're up against and, and that we talked about earlier, like um, just people not having enough money, pe uh, people not having health insurance or just being short staffed in general. So people's workloads being higher. And so people, so teachers, you know, coming to me and saying, I need more support. Um, when, when also I, don't have the support that I need to support them, you know, because one thing we're thinking about doing is kind of a practical thing in uh, hiring. I just talked to our board of directors last night about all of these struggles that we're talking about and how it feels like it's, it's almost to the point where, you know, we're just going to start losing people um, who have really been holding on through COVID, through everything, through the floods, through the hard times. Um, about maybe hiring like a resource coordinator because we, if we're working during business hours, Monday through Friday, people actually don't have time or, or, or capacity, especially if they have kids on their, of their own at home to like uh, get food assistance or, or call for, to, to sign up for health insurance or do their taxes or sign up for classes. Like these are a lot of the things that, um, we give people paid time to do on the clock at, at least at, at, at our school because um, they, they're they just very practical things to meet basic needs and, and they don't have any capacity to do it. And so something, you know, these are, it, they're big forces that we're up against, but we're trying to sort of like piece by piece, like work with each um, person and their particular needs, you know, housing assistance, you know, calling somebody to get help with that or whatever it is. Um, but then the general kind of stress and anxiety and I don't feel supported or I, or I need more support is something that um, I find has, it, oh, if we don't interrupt it quickly, and I, I'm not sure what that means exactly, it starts to fracture us too. And it starts to pit people against each other. And it starts to divide us when what we need more than anything right now is like to be in solidarity with each other and then to not see that person and say, you know, just have like resentful or bad feelings towards that. I just feel like right now there's a lot of that kind of emotional stuff building up and dividing people um, when we need to be coming together. You know, my, my position is grant funded, so I'm not in the union and I only get paid when I work. So if I don't work, I don't get paid. But I I work in a state where it's illegal for them to strike. So they hadn't had a raise in like 10 years. And a couple of years ago, they did, um, it's called work to rule. So you go in and you you only work your contracted hours. So from eight, like say school starts at eight and it finishes at two fifteen. you only work those hours. And um, so they did that for a year. And finally at the end of a year, they, um, they got 2%, which was nothing, you know? So it's and 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 same here. We have a lot of positions that aren't filled, so people are doubling up, you know. So Vicky, you mentioned big forces we're all up against, and I'm wondering if there's others that haven't been described yet that people 
are um, thinking about in terms of the work that happens in schools? I think in New Hampshire, there's just like a defunding issue. Like the New Hampshire commissioner of education, like sent his kids to private school, has never, you know, cared very much about private school and really wants um, private online school, like to be a thing. Um, so like trying to get teachers to quit and then get these private companies to profit off the teaching shortage um it's it's just disturbing like it's really big issues and um the funding formula for public schools in new hampshire has been ruled unconstitutional since like 1990 um so there's ongoing lawsuits to try to get more money for the schools because it's all based on property taxes and i work in a property poor district so um I think that's just a big force um, that is always on my mind and um, yeah, just something that the people making the policies don't actually care, don't, don't want what's best for the students in our schools. Um, Olivia, I think you make a good point. Um, I do live in Keene and it is not like completely poor taxed place because I think we pay the highest <laughs> in it. But but you're right about being um, New Hampshire being constitutionally being very low funded. Like we're like really at the tip and then the other places. In fact, Vermont, which is like, you know, just a state away is actually a good deal, which is not even compared to others. It's not, but compared to us, it looks better. <laughs> um, anyhow, so... Um, Yes, I echo uh, all the points that Olivia just mentioned as well about um, inequities that we have in our system. Um, we also, I think the services that we give, we provide to our students with a special ed, with, um, you know, special, whatever those needs are in terms of, um, you know, per se, like, you know, speech therapy and things like that. Right now, the positions have been cut down. There is one person who is um, servicing three or four schools. And that person is, you know, also servicing students from non-public schools. But the but the money that comes for the public school is get diversified. So we are resourcing, and it's not like, it's not wrong, but it is not equitable. Like, you know, the resources that we are supposedly um, paid for or funded for, like, you know, this is a service that like you have a speech pathologist, but now that person is actually servicing everybody else and not just this particular public school. So, I mean, you know, yes, that is a solution in the in the current realm of shortage. Uh, but hey, you know what? We're also piling up teachers with so many things. Somebody mentioned out about like clocking time in and out, but we all know for reality, like, you know, like, when does that time stop? We are working beyond the contractual hours. Where in our contract it ever says that your one prep block is enough for grading 130 assignments in a day? Um, it's not enough. You know, if, if I don't grade one day, which I don't, I don't get to because I teach science and I have to clean up the room after I've done the lab, I have to set up for the next day. And between those times, I have to attend all the meetings and I have to do all sorts of things. There's not enough time. 
So my weekends get piled up with all the ungraded work that now I'm going to be grading or not. And if I'm not, then I'm also creating more work for me. Um, but all those things are actually within the uncontracted time. Like that's not in my contract. I contractually teach, but anything I make more work from that teaching, I am doing it in my unpaid time. Um, that is leading to more distress, more teacher burnout, more lots of lots of things are happening. You know, the, I, I can guarantee my knees are hurting. I'm only 43. <laughs> um, it is it is taxing. It is it is the profession where we have the passion alive and that's that keeps us going. Um, I can guarantee a person from other industry will not survive a day in this in this industry. Just just saying out there out loud. Maybe more of a venting, I guess. <laughs> but I think venting or talking with other teachers is the first step to organizing, right? And I know like how hard it was for us to get like a lot of the issues that you're referring to, Ritu, like trying to get them on the table at union meetings. Like there was a barrier even within union leadership, like to do something about these things because we're kind of taught that um, it's just the way it is. And I would say that that's true. We're taught that about wealth inequality. We're taught that about racism. We're taught that about climate change. So we're under all of these like really um, like big forces and we're told it's just the way it is, deal with it. And it's, I think one of the things that I found um, possible in school is that actually some of these smaller things that are happening in school can teach us about coming together and working together to make the changes. And that slowly, we hope it builds up so that people are coming together to make larger and larger changes. Too, weren't you um, a teacher of the year finalist in New Hampshire? I am, yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's what happened when you put all, all those unpaid hours in. <laughs> I, what you were saying to me too, it reminds me of just what people say about teachers and educators and caretakers, um, that because we have so much passion for the work that it's okay that we're not compensated, you know, because the love that we have is compensation alone, but I'm, I, I'm at the, you know, love's not going to pay the bills and love is not going to put food on the table. I, I, I am one who stand for people opposing that because at the end we have the family to take care. And as I said, we have our healthcare to be taken care of as well. Um, I just don't think it's, it's, it's fair. I don't think it's fair to teachers. In fact, uh, my word would be to actually, you know, swing that pendulum and get organized and be able to pay more to teachers because we create futures. In fact, we are the only industry that can actually create futures. We are doing something today that will determine our future. So I think, um, as Becca, you pointed out, you're right about the organizations. Um, you know, organization is very important, but, but I think the systems in place keeps us so occupied for a reason so that we cannot 
organized in a way we should be. And then we need to find, we need to be more creative with the solution. It's not that people don't have great ideas. It's also not that you are not putting that many hours. Every teacher that I know and I work with, I know they're working so, so hard. Like one, pe one person can just get lucky by, you know, getting a little bit recognized. But in my personal opinion, everybody is putting out extra work there, you know, and, and, and we should be compensated as such. And we're not. And, um, and I, I am, I'm advocating wherever I go, I talk about like, you know, in terms of how shortage can also be more fatal right now to our industry. Um, in Keene State, I don't know if you're aware, but um, in coming years, they have, because of the low enrollment in teaching, uh, you know, enrollment for teachers, uh, what has happened is that they have, they have shut down any STEM program. So we will not have teachers who can go in to become science or math teacher. So what is that going to do the pipeline for New Hampshire? Like in, in about five or 10 years down the line, we would not have enough science and math teachers. So are we going to go back to not teach science or math? Or are we going to pay more, even more so to get people from outer state? Like what has to happen in order to make it right? And so I think it's important for our administration to actually start advocating. So I am doing my bit by you know, organizing and speaking with our um, ward member, our city councilors, our mayors who can have, have some sort of word, our senators to get the word out. Like we need more funding. We need more public funding that we should be getting, but we are not. And what is keeping us away from getting that funding? We need to identify and actually organize at the grassroots level so we can do what we want to do and mobilize this thing. Um, because shortage is not going away. People are feeling way burned out. They're not going to start, you know, coming back because of the goodness of heart. And I don't encourage people to do that because it's not healthy. Mental health is a thing. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, I'm sorry. I'm very passionate about this, but I, I, I get fired up. So thanks for listening. It's good. You don't need to apologize at all. I'm wondering from you all, I asked like each of you to join this radio show because of the work that you bring, the work that you're doing in your schools and, and the like beyond the passion, the like fired upness that you're going to bring to the work. <laughs> um, and I'm wondering what gives you strength to continue to do this work, but also part of the work includes making changes in ourselves and in our teaching and in our schools constantly. And so what 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 gives you the strength and keeps you going? For me, it's the, the kids, the students, you know. That's what keeps me going. Because I love them. I care for them, you know. So that, that keeps me going, really. And I, I, I think, you know, I because I work within the classroom and I'm not part of the the teachers uh I'm not part of the union or anything I I probably should be more involved with the teachers than I am so that I I I would like to do more of you know cuz I'm more and I'm I'm happy I'm involved with the students but I think I could also be more involved with the teachers you know so 
That's what I think. <laughs> but make sure that they also are more involved with you and support staff. Yeah. So I found yeah. that the support staff in my school was always really um, going above and beyond. And when they needed, I'm going to use the word support again, but when the teachers weren't, didn't have their backs because of the yeah. hierarchies that exist in schools. So it has to go both ways. I agree. I mean, support staff is often minimized, you know, sometimes. But in other times, I don't feel that. Some teachers realize how important we are. But I, I get that attitude sometimes, too, that, you know, we're not quite the same as teachers. So it's true, you know. For I, for me, it's the kids also, um, you know, it's interesting to have the contradiction sometimes of just so much hard stuff happening in the world um, and in our lives and in the, in, in, in teachers lives and, and then to just laugh belly laughs every day with the children and just to, I mean, our, ours are little again. I, I know I keep reminding people, but they're so little. And so it forces me physically to be on the ground, you know, and we're outside. So I'm also on the earth. I have to wear clothes that get dirty, which at this point, all I'm fine with all of my clothes, you know, having grass stains and getting wet and muddy. And so I have to really be connected to the ground when I'm with them. And I have to really be a hundred percent attentive because, um, you know, some of them are babies and they really need a human, you know, today I was helping a child rest and I felt my heart beating and I felt like I wasn't breathing deeply. And until I could do that myself, um, she couldn't get to a comp, you know, she couldn't fully, I noticed when I could do that, then her body relaxed too. And I was like, wow, like it's just grounding to that level for me that I'm, um, present with them. I'm on the earth. I feel the earth, you know, and I feel this human connection physically and just kind of in every way. Um, but they also have such good ideas. They're good problem solvers. And we need that right now. We need that going forward forever in the world. We need children to help us solve problems because, I mean, it might not be the best idea in terms, I have a four-year-old friend or so he's five now, but his idea and he doesn't know why Montpelier is not putting a big umbrella on the state house to prevent the floods. So there are those kinds of ideas, of course, and we 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 still take them seriously and talk about like logistically how would that work. But um, they also have really good ideas about relationships and and when somebody's struggling or hurting, how can we help them? They're really good at that kind of stuff, and so that's a hundred. It's definitely what keeps me keeps me going. Vicky, that's not a bad idea if we can find one. <laughs> yeah, I think at my school, there's a lot of turnover, but there's so much, there's so many people that have stayed and um, been working at the school for a long time and um, that we're all working so hard every day, even when it feels like we're not really getting anywhere sometimes. <laughs> Um, and this year I have a lot of siblings of students, you know, I had in the past. So it's been really cool to, um, 
make those family connections. Um, and so that's really great. And, um, yeah, just like we're in this system that just doesn't function. So just like, just, I think knowing that is empowering in a way it can be depressing, but it's also like, I'm up against this system. And I think just focusing on like a small thing that you can, that you've done in a day that's, that matters, um, can be a reason to keep going. That's great. I think we all echo that, you know, we are in it for kids and I myself included. I do also want to say that it is the hope that I'm in that drives me, that keeps me motivated on a hard day, that, you know, it is the hope that we can cultivate and instill in young people about, you know, different narratives and the perspectives. Like, you know, we have to bring a just world. We have what we're capable of doing that. We just have to make some understanding and adjustments, but, you know, we have to make it a level playing field for, for everyone. And how can we do that? How can we achieve that? How can we collectively do that? Um, so for me, it, it is about, you know, creating that sense of community and belonging um, that is possible when I work with young people, you know, that gives me hope and that drives me every single day when I don't want, when my knees are hurting, but that's, that's, that's what helped me get in the car and go there every day. <laughs> And all of us here are graduates of the SPARK program or the predecessor at Keene State, the WELL program. And so I'm just wondering um, how long or um, how the learning of SPARK continues to contribute to your teaching and your work more generally in the world. Well, I, I think, it, you know, it also it's also the answer to the last question you asked is it, not just the kids, but what, what keeps me going is, um, you know, everything that I learn and continue to learn in Spark and also knowing that I'm not alone. I'm not doing this work alone, even though, you know, there are no other sparklers here or something like that. Like we are all um, in solidarity with each other, that and like understanding, you know, his history and context also gives me that hope that uh, Ritu was talking about in terms of like, we're doing this work on, you know, uh, um, we're doing this work that others before us have done and people across the world are doing now and just constantly remembering that and making it um, a, a study and, and a discipline in a way to, 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 cut, to, to continue to come back to that and be in solidarity with people who are doing this work. That's, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think my knowledge from Spark sort of keeps me asking questions and, and not panicking, like thinking about why something is happening um, and putting it into a historical and economic context. Um, it sort of just um, keeps me curious, I guess. And just knowing that like, I you don't need an answer necessarily, but 
if you want to find something out, you can. Like it, it gives me motivation to read a really long nonfiction book about history or something, you know, like, so, and then I'm able to pass that knowledge on to students, which is, and that way of thinking onto students, which I think in, in times like these where we're in crisis, <laughs> um, they can use that and understand what's going on in the world. Um, I think what I learned in Spark uh, and what I use is staying connected to the struggle because um, people are struggling, you know, and I think it's important to be in solidarity with folks that are struggling, students that are struggling. So for me, um to be in solidarity with them is uh, very, I've learned a lot about that in Spark. So, and I, I take that with me in my community. So. For me, um, it comes into many folds, like, you know, right from, for example, as basic as choosing an article, like where is it coming from? Who's providing that information and why are they providing? So I kind of like, you know, have that lens now that I never had before, um, the filter. And then also uh, it helps me to be able to, um, you know, look at things differently. Like earlier, I used to have just like, you know, very mindset about something of the biases that I had growing up and thinking about world in general, like, you know, from my lens. But now I think my lens has become a little bit more wider. I can I can anticipate my students to have that as well because I can put myself where where they are today. Like you know, okay, just having one set of focus, and it's not wrong or right. It is a matter of exposure. So with every day, intentionally, meaningfully, uh, you know, trying with right from the morning meetings to the curriculum that I teach is to bring those snippets of things here and there to actually help them widen up that understanding a little bit more about our world and um, and to do our part so that it is very important for them. Um, you know, just, just like I teach them citizen science and I, I, I say that scientists cannot work in isolation, you have to collaborate, um, you know, and, and then we talk about why is it important for collaboration for scientists and all that. So kind of, you know, you everything kind of intertwines Science is just a subject of medium, but um, but I think as somebody pointed out that before, like, you know, collectiveness and being able to bring them together when they're disagreeing, um, it's 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 really very um, it's an important part, important part of our growth for me as a teacher and for them as a student. Um, so that's that's what I keep keep thinking and referring back. And in fact, in my recent paper, I'm still doing a course from Keene State. I still wrote back some reflection that I had back in the day when I did my Wells program in 2006, perhaps a uh, long time back. <laughs> uh, and I was making reference to something about, you know, my professors and and talking about, you know, what I take from I still. Uh, meet my professors and they're my mentors for life. And I, I reach out to them when I'm struggling and, you know, having that. So keeping those contacts alive and learning from having your mentors, um, you know, is very immensely helpful and and something that I really, um, con I connect with Spark in many ways. 
I wish everyone, every school had a citizen science course. That sounds really amazing. Well, I don't have a per se course, but I bring that in like, you know, subtly. Uh, that's yeah. that's me being crafty there. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I think the the making the connections across like for me is something that I really learned in Spark. And when I first started teaching, I really um would get like really wrapped up in like the individual students' lives. And so Spark helped me to um, broaden that and see like each of us as connected to histories and each of us as um, like connected to one another, you know? Um, And that's helpful in not feeling um, paralyzed to move forward in these like hard times or not getting um, stuck in the mud in the goop that exists all around us, as Jonaki would say. <laughs> I'm just wondering if you all have any final thoughts you'd like to share as we wrap up the show for today. Uh, thank you for facilitating this conversation. Thank you again. I will also echo that to with Olivia. And I also want to say is that again, um, putting a plug in for, um, you know, getting organized, mobilizing the efforts and in whatever the struggle may be, when we come together, there is only one way possible for solution. And that is by collective consciousness. And when we come together to make a change because the change is not going to come to us, we have to reach that change together. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you, Becca. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Becca. Thank you, everyone, for having this conversation. Yeah, thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Indigo Radio, a project of the Spark Teacher Education Institute. We're a group of educators around the world seeking to deepen understanding and make connections Find us on Facebook and Instagram, and don't forget to subscribe to our shows. We will go out with the song we started with, Wake Up Everybody. Wake up all the doctors, make the old people well. They're the ones who suffer and who catch all the hell. They don't have so bad long before their judgment day. So won't you make them happy before they pass away? Oh yeah. Wake up all the builders, time to build a new land. I know we can do it if we all lend a hand. The only thing we have to do is put it in our minds. Surely things will work out, cause they do every time. Yeah.
Let's do it.